How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. You, you are, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say that you are the best looking church in the area. So, yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, um, I know you guys don't care about this, but with, without internet, I'm going paper, paper notes today, actual Bible. So, everyone say amen. All right, all right. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> Thanks. Oh man, let's see. How do we want to? How do we want to begin? I just, um, I don't know. I, I feel like almost every message lately, I, I just want to remind us of why we're doing what we're doing, um, because we, you know, we can get in ruts, we can forget the mission, we can forget the purpose, and all of this stuff. And I just, I, I just have this this belief that um, God wants to send revival. And, you know, there's churches all over America and all over the nation that are praying for that and believing that for their, their city and their context and all of this stuff. And I just, I just happen to believe, why not this church on, on this hill and in this city? And, and there's other churches in our city uh, praying for that thing, too, and in the region. And, uh, um, you know, and, the, and actually, there's people that go here that, that, are, that aren't even part of Buffalo County, right? How many, I don't know how many counties are, are part of this, this church. I, this tr- when, when people come and they roll up onto our land, I, I had a, a pastor friend of mine here uh, yesterday, and he's like, there's something about this place. There's something about this place, and, um, and, I, and I just, I feel like it's more, there's a reason why, you know this Dove Hill, this Dove Hill Road, that it is, uh, you're awesome. Thanks, my my little research assistant. There's a, there's something uh, this this Dove Hill Road. We are it is the line. It is the county line. And if we would have been just on the other side of the road, we would have been city. And we are on this side, and we happen to be county. And we also happen to be the highest point. That cross it was surveyed years ago, and we are the highest point. Uh, as far as you know, high places in the Bible are a pretty big deal. And there is something about this place. Um, and it's never just a building and just, but there is something that God, God, years ago, before I was ever part of this thing, before even the founding fathers of this church were ever part of this thing, God thought, you know what? What if we did something special on, on that hill? And what if it impacted a region? And I, and I, and I feel like um, even, a, even a, a nation in the world. Um, and so, it, like, I keep that in mind. Like, when, we, when, we're, when we're getting going and we're getting in, in our busyness and, in, and sometimes in ruts and things like this, and we preach another sermon and we just get in, I, I always want to keep in mind that the reason why we come together here is it, it's bigger. It is about you. It is about me. It is about some of our, like our personal things and breakthrough and all that. But it's bigger than that. It, it, is, it's way big. it goes way beyond, way beyond, because there's a world that needs Jesus. In fact, um, if we're just talking about Buffalo County, if we're just talking about Buffalo County, um, there's this uh, website. If you want to check it out, it's called um, uh, theARDA.com. T-H-E-A-R-D-A.com. And it's a place where you could just research and find out um, uh, uh, statistics on areas uh, from a religious perspective. Uh, and so this statistic, Buffalo County... Um, from 2010, and so the, this is a little bit old, but 2010, they researched, and um, there are, 
18,538 people at this time, when this was researched in 2010, that were called unclaimed. And what that means is they weren't claimed by, uh, by an evangelical church. They weren't claimed by a mainline Protestant church. They weren't claimed by a Catholic church or, or any of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's the, it was only that amount of people that weren't saved. It just means that they were unclaimed. And I look at that and I'm like, there's got to be a way more than that, that that aren't going to heaven. But 18,538 people in this area, just Buffalo County, that are unclaimed, not including all those that are claimed that, that, just, uh, that just don't know the Lord. Could we just say, man, we've got a mission to do. There is, there's, there's work to be done, and I am so thankful that you're here in this, in this room with me today, but hopefully you're here. It's like the, um, uh, one minister called it the, the huddle, the, the holy huddle. It's like uh, we, don't, we don't gather at a, at a football game to watch, it, to watch the, like the Nebraska Huskers huddle. What we're hoping for is that, is that the result of what they planned in that huddle would actually impact the game. And that something would happen and that, that they would score a touchdown. And sometimes what happens in, in Christianity is that we come together and we huddle and then nothing happens. Like, can I just say I want something to happen? You guys want something to happen? You want those people? I, I, I want salvations. I want healings. I want, I want deliverance. I want saved, healed, and delivered, all that stuff. And I just, I just feel like, man, why not, why not start it here and, and move out? Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians is what we're back in. It's, a, it's been a, a few weeks for me, so I had to redig and kind of get back into this. And um, how many enjoyed Pastor Bo going after it? What was that? Uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9. And good job, man. Thank you for holding down the fort. Back in 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 10. And I just entitled this A Way Out. A Way Out. First um, Corinthians, um, that the the city of Corinth. If if you're if you're a guest with us, or if it's been a while and you forget, Corinth was one of the great cities of the ancient world. It would have been like New York or Los Angeles. It would have it would have been bustling and business and entertainment, but it was also uh, full of sin and all of that stuff and idolatry. Um, it had uh, it had deserved the reputation for the reckless pursuit of pleasure. Um, there was a term that meant to live like a Corinthian, which meant to be sexually out of control. That was, that was kind of the context that Paul planted this church. In fact, four years before he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he had gone and he planted this church in Corinth. And the idea was that this church was going to impact the culture. And what had happened four years later was that culture was impacting them. And so he writes this letter in response to, to some concern from one of, the, one of the connect groups in the church. It was like, Paul, there's, there's some stuff going on. And, and so he writes that letter. And then the second half of the book, it was a bunch of questions that they had asked, uh, that the church had asked. And so there's kind of two halves of this book. And he's addressing concerns and then he's also answering questions. And the truth is, this church was kind of failing at impacting culture. And he's like, hey, let's, let's grab our identity back. This isn't who you really are. This isn't who you, like, you're, there's so much more in store for you. There's so much greater purpose. And, and so he's calling them higher in this, in, in 1 Corinthians, he's calling them higher. And, and so today, 
with that context in mind, and, and Paul's now in this, we're in that second half where he's answering questions and all of this stuff and, and addressing some things. Uh, here's the main thought for today. The lie is that my sin and idolatry is too big and overwhelming to truly be free. The truth is that there is always a way out. The truth is there's always a way out. Say, there's a way out. There's a way out. I, um, I remember, there's two, two stories that came to mind. I remember my brother and I, we, um, we were teenagers, and I had probably just within the, a year or two had gotten my uh, driver's license. And uh, how do I know when you get your driver's license, it's freedom. There's freedom now, and it's, it's like, it, it's exciting, actually. Um, and, and I remember wanting to, like, drive everywhere. Like, you know, oh, you, oh, you need a trip to the store, Mom? It was me, you know. And, you, know you need, uh, whatever it was, I, I was the errand boy now because I had, I, I had the vehicle, and um, I drove, drove a, a really nice, it was, it was my parents' car, really super nice uh, um, uh, Dodge Caravan, and uh, and it was oxidized all over the top, and, and the window, the window like was held up by cardboard, and I mean it was like. And I remember I went to a private Christian school. I'm like, this is details. You, you guys don't care, but it's fun, right? I went to a private Christian school that someone someone helped our family. Like all of all of us children, we went to Christian school all all our life, and um, and because someone believed in Christian education, they said, hey, we want to pay for you to do this, and so we got to do that. It was cool. But I remember pulling up because it was the rich kids that went to this school, and and I I. I I don't know if I'd say I purposely came late, but I'm glad that I was traditionally late because I would pull in next to, like, Hummers and BMWs, and I'm, like, sitting here, like, in my oxidized minivan, like, hee-hee, you know, with a piece of cardboard. And, and uh, man, my goodness. But anyways, I, I, I digress. So my brother and I, we were, uh, um, for some reason, we, we were driving together in the Phoenix area, that, which is where I grew up, and, and we, we, got, we got lost and it was nighttime, and I, uh, if you were here last week, you found out that, um, that I was, uh, lived in the era before GPS, and, and we had maps, and I was so lost, and it was dark, and we were in, we were in like downtown Phoenix. I didn't know, we, I honestly did not know which direction was, was which, and I didn't, I didn't grow up in the country or, or uh, you know, any of those, you know, like in the mountains where you can figure out where you are by the stars or whatever. I'm <laughs> I'm like, we were lost, lost, and we were city boys, lost, lost, and um, I remember that feeling. You guys ever had that feeling? And you just feel like, like there's no way out, and you're ending up on streets that you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there needs to be a way out <laughs> really fast, and um, we had to like, like stop and, and actually like stop at a like gas station and like pay phone and call mom and dad. I mean, you know, like this was scary. I remember that. I remember feeling like that. Eventually, we, we found, you know, which way was north and, and got out of there. Um, I remember another time, later on, like, since I've been here at this church, I remember um, um, hunting. And some of you are like, yeah, right? Hunting, me. But I did. I did, for real. And went out hunting with the guys. And don't make fun of me. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of a novice at this thing. So it was, it was the afternoon um, hunt where, you know, you go out and it's daylight. And then by the time, you know, the sun goes down and then it's dark, right? You know, right? You know how that works. And 
Um, I just, I had forgotten to bring a flashlight because I figured we're going out during the daytime and I didn't bring a flashlight and get out there and we're, we're hunting, we're doing this thing and, um, you know, I didn't get anything. In fact, I, um, now I tell them that I misfired. Um, they, they tell me that that, that that actually didn't happen, that I just don't know how to shoot an arrow and so, but it, like, landed by the deer and they scattered and I was like, ah, you know, but the, the, the sun went down, it was pitch, or like my daughter, my daughter Kayla likes to say, it was peach black. That's like beyond pitch black. That was like, that, that's another level. And so we were, I was, it was peach black, and I'm standing there, and I don't know where my friends are, because they're, they're out there somewhere in the wood with their flashlights, and I'm standing here like, cricket? My heart, I'm just being honest, my heart was getting a little, I mean, just, uh, it was going a little bit faster than normal, and I did what any of you would have done in the same situation um, after you prayed. You just start going, Marco, Marco, You're right? And eventually they shouted back, Polo, and we, uh, and we got, got out of there. You know, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. And I want to I talk to you about the way out. Paul, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he starts this, and he says this. He says, he says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to believers, he's talking to a church, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And... uh, Brad, can we go back to the first verse where it said, said four? And I just, I found um, in school, and my mom was a teacher, and she would always tell me that whenever the verse starts out four, that that means that there's probably something, something before that you need to kind of figure out, you know, to give some context here. And so I went before, and, and it was in, in chapter nine, right at the end, Paul says this, um, chapter nine, starting verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. One, one translation says, I beat my body. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so you, you, you read those few verses before and you start to realize like why he starts off right here. He, he's, he's thinking, like in other words, the reason for my training, the reason why I go into so much training, guys, Paul's saying this to the church, the reason for the self-discipline, the, re- the reason that, that I'm so intentional in my walk with God and, and spirituality, the reason that I'm running with this prize in mind is it, 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 because, look, look, there was a whole group of people. There was the children of Israel that he's referencing here in chapter 10. And, and all of them, like, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud. They, they all passed through the sea. They were, they were guided by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Like, they all ate the same spiritual food and, and drank the same spiritual drink. They, 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 it was the, the rock that, that was actually Jesus. And he's talking. He's like, he's like, they did all of that. 
And then watch this in verse, in verse 5. Nevertheless. He's like, man, I've, I've got to like, be so intentional with this thing. Because even them, like they had, they had spiritual experiences greater than we've had. I mean, man, they had, they had like, like Red Sea. Would you think that if someone saw the ocean part in two, that they might just get saved and like give their heart to Jesus, right? Like, he's like, they had spiritual experiences. They had supernatural food from heaven, like we talked about this morning. Like, they had all of this stuff. And he's like, even with their spiritual experiences, he said, nevertheless, man, I am about encounters. Anybody just, you're like, like when, you, when there's a testimony of encounter, like the power and presence of God, like you just get, a, yeah, right? Like you, you get excited. Like he, it's like he comes close and he does something. God comes in the room and someone's body experiences his power and his presence. And like anybody into that? Man, I'm into that. I'm all into that. And Paul's into that. And that church was actually into that. And he says, he says man, all of the Israelites, man, they had greater encounters than all of you. And he says, but nevertheless, Nevertheless, he's like, there, there has to be something, something that, that is foundational, something that, that goes deeper, something that when the storm comes, like, we, like you actually last through this thing. There has to be like, a, like, a, like you know, like I get the picture of a flagpole and cement and, the, and you're in a hurricane and you're just like holding on. Like there's something that, that is grounded. He says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. We can't live on autopilot. We can't live on yesterday's encounter or yesterday's word. Paul says, I want the prize and I'm going to run in such a way as to get it. He goes on into verse 6 and, and he's referencing the, this, these first few verses in chapter 10 about all of their spiritual encounters. And he says, now these things occurred uh, as examples to keep us from setting our heart on evil things as they did. And I, I want us to, we're going to read a few things here in just a minute, but like there's, uh, he, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and he's drawing on a story that they all knew uh, with the children of Israel and Moses in, in the book of Exodus. In fact, a few weeks back, we were talking about that here. We were talking about idols and we talked about, about uh, the golden calf and, and how and Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and we referenced that. Paul's referencing it here. He's, and he's saying some of these same things. Like their story in the book of Exodus, he's like, this is actually an example for us to learn from today. And he says, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is, it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Revelry is, uh, um, when you look in the original language, it's, it's really sexual sin and, and, and like orgies and all of that stuff. Verse 8, it says, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us 
on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Now, I promise there's going to be encouragement here in this message. Some of the messages, you're like, oh, my goodness, give us something. You know? like, so we're going to start out and get serious here, and then there will be some encouragement here in a few minutes. So hang, hang with me. But he's, he's, he points out five things with the children of Israel that, that they did. And, and this, this, is a, this is a negative example, but it's something that we learn from. And he was asking the church in Corinth to learn from them. Five things. He says, number one, they set their heart on evil things. And, and when you set your heart there, I mean, it's like an intentional place. It might, it might, you might not know what you're doing, but, but when you set your heart and you think about things that are evil in our, in our culture, and, and the, the children, or not the children, but the church in Corinth, they had set their hearts on things, and, and they had gotten way off course. And he's like, this, that's what Israel did, is they set their heart on evil things. Then, then, then there was idolatry, and we did. A, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. A few weeks ago, we did a message on idolatry. But you know what? Bottom line, the idolatry is anything that I uh, knowingly or unknowingly set up in, in a greater place than God. I mean, it, it, and, and you start wondering, well, do I have an idol in my life? Well, start looking to where your time goes and where your money goes. Just a good just a good starting place. And start looking to where you put your affection. Start looking to, to what you're concerned with. You know, uh, one, one thing that's interesting you're trying to discover, do I have an idol, is like anything that I um, fear, I've immediately set it up in place of God. That object or that person, I've elevated because I'm basically saying, saying God, um, uh, th- that's bigger than you. Interesting. And so this is that place of idolatry. He's like, as some of them did, sexual immorality, some, testing Christ. And what's this whole thing of, of testing Christ? Testing Christ refers to, like, questioning the plans and purposes of God. Man, it, do you guys ever read Exodus and you, you hear about the children of Israel? Like, every other chapter, there's, like, a huge miracle. And every other chapter, there's, like, you should have left us in Egypt. What are you thinking? We had food there. We had water there. We had clothes there. We had shoes there. And, like, he keeps responding with miracle after miracle after miracle. And he's, like, he's like they were testing Christ. He's like, uh, to question the purposes and plans of God, a disobedience tests him. Watch this, committing evil to see if God would respond in judgment. Do you ever, like, we, we've talked about this in here, even in this series, that, that there's the line, and we're wondering, like, how close can I get to that line and still, like, be a Christian? You know, still, like, have my ticket to heaven, still whatever. And he's like, he's like they, they did that. They, they tested to see, like, how close they could get. He's like, don't do that. And then lastly, in this, in this group of, of things that they're learning from the children of Israel, Paul says there's, uh, that number five was grumbling. He's like, the, and they grumbled, and they complained. And so after saying all of that in verse 12, he says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, like Paul's saying, like, man, I've had incredible spiritual experiences. The children of Israel have had incredible spiritual experiences. He looks at this church, and he's like, and you've had incredible spiritual experiences. And yet he's like, that's not enough for us to stand strong. Like, there has to be this commitment. There has to be us, like, where there's something greater. There's this relationship with Jesus that draws us into a commitment that goes beyond just, just experience. 
He says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful. How many know that, like, if, if Paul says, be careful, like, we need to probably be careful. If, in other words, if you think that, that man, everything's going, going just fine. Like, uh, I don't really have anything to worry about. Like, you keep asking for prayer in the altar. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And he says, if you think you're standing firm, just be careful. And that is for every person at the sound of my voice. That's for me and my family. That's for people that will hear this podcast. That's for everybody across. Like, anybody that calls themselves a believer, he says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. And then he comes into this classic uh, verse that maybe some of you have read before. Watch this, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation, um, the, the actual, the Greek word is uh, uh, perosmos. It's a, it's a neutral word. In other words, it, it, um, it's not good or bad. Um, in fact, that's good for you to know that temptation in and of itself um, isn't sin. Um, temptation is the opportunity for it's the, it's the crossroads. We, 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 uh, we live at the, it's the, it holds the opportunity for sin, but it's not sin itself. It's, the, it's the, the decision. It's like, it's here. In fact, Jesus was tempted, and, and yet he was tempted, but without sin. Um, it, so it's actually a, a, a neutral word. It has two definitions. And so it depends. As you're reading Scripture and you come across the word temptation, you really have to read in context to find out like, what it is. But there's two definitions. The one definition is probably familiar to all of us. It would be an enticement to sin. It, that, where, we'd, where we would you know, hear about someone being tempted. You know, or there was a, you know, in the Bible, like in Proverbs, it would talk about the temptress. You know, it, it, it's kind of a lot of times that sexual temptation. It's, the, it's what, something that draws us or tempts us into sin. And that would be the first uh, definition. And the second definition, definition is a little bit different, um, and it, it actually means uh, uh, adversity or affliction, conflict, trouble, um, uh, often that type of temptation that would test, it would like prove somebody's faith in God. And so you've got both sides, and you have to look at it. Like, for instance, we read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Some of you guys have read this before, the Lord's Prayer. Here's the, this part. It says, and lead us not into what? Temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In this, in this verse, the, the word temptation would be translated trial. Um, this, is really, this is how that would be. Lead us not. He's like, don't take, don't take us into trials. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because I know that in that trial, there's the opportunity for sin, and I don't even, like, I don't, I don't even want to go there. Would you protect me? So Matthew 6 would say that. James um, talked about it in James chapter 1. He actually says that God doesn't tempt us. Uh, uh, verse 13, he says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And so you read the Lord's Prayer, and you're like, wait a minute. Like, I'm praying, lead us not into temptation. And what's that mean? When I, I thought God doesn't even tempt us and all of this stuff. And, 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 and this is it's the heart of the prayer. 
that says, that says God, uh, I don't even want to be close. Whether this is a trial or whether this is a, an enticing, like I don't even want to be, be in the same zip code as temptation. God doesn't lead us towards sin, but will lead us into trials and testing often. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Luke chapter 4 talks about the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness. And and it was in the wilderness that Jesus encountered the lust of the flesh, the lust of of the eyes, and the pride of life. This was where he, he, he encountered that temptation. The Bible says that all of those types of things that we would encounter every day, in fact, you can find almost every type of sin wrapped up in those three things. And, and Jesus was tempted by the devil and yet was without sin. And so we read this verse again, uh, verse 13, Brad, it says, No temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except what is what is common to man. And, and, I, and I think about that, and I, isn't it encouraging to know that what you're dealing with is common? The lie of the enemy is that, is that man, this is, uh, the, the enemy wants you to think that you're the only one tempted in that area of sin or idolatry. I'm the only one, right? Have you ever felt like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever felt like, I'm the only one dealing with this thing. I'm the only one that struggles with, X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be. And, and, and Paul's talking to them and, and, and the church in Corinth. And if you've been with us at any part of this series, you've realized, man, this church had some issues. Man, they had sexual issues. They had, I mean, they had a, you remember the, the message where we talked about the man sleeping with his stepmom. They had um, division. They had all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, it was craziness in this church. And he's just saying, hey, guess what? Um, uh, Everything that you're facing, all of the temptation into idolatry and sin, like all this stuff, it's common. You're not, you're not the only one facing this. So all of a sudden we feel like, like, man, I'm not alone. And then he goes on and he says, and God is faithful. Can we just camp there for a second? And God is faithful. In other words, it's not a question of God's faithfulness. When we're facing something, And you know what it is. You know what it is for you. You know that opportunity for sin. That when you're in a trial and there's the opportunity to to not trust, there's the opportunity to to do it your own way, or or you know the the things that that draw you from the world, and you know that. And and he says, and God is faithful. Sometimes, have you ever at least thought, man, why did you do this to me? Why did you give this to me? This is way too much. And you're thinking and you're almost, even if, if you don't say it, you think it's like, like, man, I blame God for this sometimes. Like this is my, this is my, my cross that I bear and all this. And, and yeah, but God is faithful. And, and he goes on. He's faithful. It's not about his, his uh, faithlessness because he is faithful. In fact, it's because of God's faithfulness that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear it's like what can we just like look at that for a second and just take a deep breath and say man how encouraging is it that even in the face of temptation that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear isn't that awesome i look at this and it's encouraging and discouraging at the same time you want to know why (laughs) 
It's like, thank you. You know, so, so like way before the temptation is there and all of that stuff, it's like, it's like man, I, I know. God would never lead me into something beyond what I can bear. And then I'm in it. And then you're in it. And you're like, for the love. Right? And you're saying, I thought you said. Have you ever said that? My mom was, uh, she was, I think she was just a teenager living in Rapid City, South Dakota. And, and she, had, she w- had been serving the Lord for a few years. And, and um, her parents had, um, had divorced. And there was all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, like, I, I remember, like her stepdad was growing pot in the backyard. I mean, there was just, just you know, I'm like, she, she was dealing with it. Mom and dad divorced, all this stuff. Just pressure in, uh, in her home. And she was at the end of her ropes. And she remembered just a verse coming to her heart. God, you said that you would never let me be tempted beyond what I could bear. She cried herself to sleep, woke up the next day, and, and she thought the first thought was, oh, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Any of you are like, 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 that's enough <laughs> to know, like, I made it through another day. I'm still here. He would not let you be tempted. I, I feel like part of the discouraging part here is knowing that you don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse. I don't get to say uh, it's too much. I don't get to say that the, the temptation is, is more than I can handle. I don't get to, to put that in a class of like, you know what, um, there, everybody else gets to be free and I don't. Because Paul and the Holy Spirit through Paul says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what? What you can bear. You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, I know that some of you, uh, uh, most of you, you would, I don't need to tell you this, but um, I work out. And, uh, and I don't need to tell you because you can, tell. What are you laughing at? And uh, I, I've learned some things. I've learned some things working out, um, especially like the bench press, because um, oh, I don't know. I don't know how much I'm up to now. Probably like 350, something, something, I mean, give or take. I'm somewhere under 350, I think, somewhere under there. And, uh, and, but the bench press is interesting because you got this bar, you got the weight, and, and it's a little dangerous by yourself uh, when you're doing free weights. Um, and I have found out that I can do more than I thought because I have somebody working out with me. And, 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 and they're there, so some of the fear goes away because if, if I can't do this, there's, there's somebody else's hands there grabbing the bar. Uh, I mean, there's some interesting, great spiritual principles in working out. And, but, but sitting, I just know, like there have been some times, and, and uh, the one person I work out with, like they're a little intense. And... And it's like, we're, we're going, and I'm just like, I just want to come. I just want to have my, my accountability prayer time. I just want to get a little bit of, like, my heart racing. Um, you know, I want to feel like I actually did something. I don't need to, like, rip anything. You know, I don't need any of that. I don't need to, like, tear something open. And it's like, no, you can do one more, one more, one more. And I have found out, like, I can actually bear more weight than I thought I could bear. I want you to know, so can you. 
you think it's impossible, you think you're, you're at the end of your rope, you think like this is way too much. Any of you ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but any of you ever felt like it's way too much, what you're going through, what you're facing, the, that thing in your heart, that thing in your mind, the, that thing in life, the, the, the bank account, the, the family, the kids, the, all the, whatever it might be, the sin, the idol. Have you ever just thought this is way too much? And I just want you to know you got someone that you're working out with. And when you think it's too much, he just says one more. And you're like, I did not realize I could do one more. I woke up. I woke up the next day and I'm still here. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. And uh, verse 14 was really interesting because he says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. He doesn't give like every way out, but he does give one. <laughs> He's like, all of this stuff. And he says, therefore, run. <laughs> like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like, this is like, like get out of here. Run. Sometimes we're just like, I don't know what to do with this. And, and, and you know, you want to like pray through it. You want to have like a, like a prayer session. You want to get a prophetic word. You want to get, he's like, he's like no. Like the, the biggest spiritual thing you could do right here in this moment is Run. Go, get out of here. Just, just flee. Just flee. Just run. And I, I want to tell you this. is like um, all of this stuff that, that we've been talking about and preaching about. Um, over, I mean, it's been weeks that we're in this. Uh, um, we're in chapter 10, and we've taken extra weeks on certain chapters. And Like, it's been weeks. It's been a few months. And, and I, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit in some of your lives has been kind of digging some things up and pointing some things out. And I want you to know that no matter what the Holy Spirit's been highlighting, he only highlights things that he, that he knows that we can deal with. He, he highlights it because he's like, hey, it's, I, I, I want to free you. I want to I heal you. I want to I I call you higher. He, he's not like, did you ever like get bruised when you were a kid and like your brother or sister were like, hey, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that, you know, he, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He, he when, when he comes close and there's, and, and, and you're feeling like it's painful, it's because, it's because he's leading you towards healing, leading you towards freedom. And all of these things that have maybe been stirred up over the last few weeks and few months, he, he brings it all here to verse 13 and 14. He's like, there's a way out. And one of the ways out is run. Run. I don't know. What is it for you? Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. This is one of the, one of the cool verses. Uh, he says, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And and there's, there's others, like, like Jesus in the Gospels, he's like, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, now I, I'm not advocating, like, um, mutilating your body. Some of you are going to leave here and say, well, the pastor said. And I'm like, hey, no. Calm down. Calm down. But what is Jesus saying? What's the author of Hebrews saying? He's like, he's like you, say, you say you've done everything. I, everything. I, I've tried. I've been to the altar a hundred times, and I've tried everything. And, and, and Jesus is just, I think, and the Holy Spirit to you is just saying, guess, guess what? Like, um, you haven't tried everything. There's still, there's still one more option, right? There, there's still, there's, it's that scarcity mentality that says, I've done it all. I've done all three things. He's like, there's more. There's more options. 
There's more options here. He's like, would you come to me? Either the cross was as powerful as the Bible says or not. That thing that you need freed of, that mindset that you need taken care of, that thing that's holding you down, the the cloud that's over your head, whatever it is, like his cross is absolutely sufficient for that thing. Absolutely. And so he says, man, in your struggle against this thing, like you haven't yet resisted to like this point of like shedding your blood. Like like with Jesus, like you you haven't uh, resisted to the point of plucking your eye out or cutting your hand off. There's still options here, in other words. What's it for you? What's it for me? What do you need help with this morning? What do you need reminded of that there's still hope and that there's a way out? You know, maybe as Paul was talking about the children of Israel and and their example to us, maybe there's a tendency to set your heart on evil things. Maybe there's a tendency towards idolatry in in our modern culture where we're setting something up higher than than God. Maybe Maybe there's been sexual immorality or maybe there's been times where you've tested Christ you maybe you didn't say it but you did it where you're like I'm just gonna see I'm just gonna live as close to this line as possible instead of as far away as I can instead of pulling into relationship with him I'm trying to live this life that says you know what I could do both and he's like you can't do stop testing Christ maybe maybe that's you or maybe you're just like man I'm good at all of that stuff and then Paul like brings us the rest of us into the equation he says what about grumbling (laughs) what about that what about just like joy, having joy in your life and not grumbling and not complaining? He's like, he's like that, that's one there too. And I don't know where it is for you. I'm going to have the, the worship team come. and um, This might be something to respond to this morning. And can we respond to it in light of revival? In light of like there's a city that needs us. And I need to be as free as possible and as healed as possible. Because guess what? Freed people free people. And healed people heal people. And, and if I'm experiencing revival right now in my own personal life, like, like I, I'm going to rub off on somebody else and they're going to experience revival too. Like, it's not just about us, but man, it starts here. And so if you're willing to let the Lord go to those places, um, man, I just know that God's going to lead us into greater victory and revival and all those things. Let's stand this morning and it's still morning, guys. Some of you are questioning Pastor Kelly's going to lead us into a song. and We already had some prayer time this morning with some prayer altar people, but if, if, you, if you need prayer for anything, I just want you to feel free to come. But this might be a good time as the song's playing, as you go before the Lord and just say, okay, God, man, it's been weeks. Maybe some of you have been in this series for weeks and, and, and it's like, like a broken record sometimes. And maybe this is like your first time hearing this. And you're like, this is brand new. Wherever you're at in that process, would you just say, God, I just want to be totally free. And the promise in your word is that, is that the, the thing I'm facing is actually common. And that you would not let me face anything more than I could bear. And so maybe for the hundredth time or the thousandth time, would you just give it to the Lord one more time? Maybe just trust his word one more time here and just say, God, that thing that's been so hard that I've held on to for years, maybe it's been a lifetime, would you one more time just say, God, here it is for you. I just believe your word this morning, God. As Pastor Kelly and the team lead us, why don't you worship the Lord and give that thing to God. And if you need some prayer for anything and breakthrough,